Well, let us go to the Lord in prayer, church. And as we do, I uh, pray that you will uh, just take note for a moment of the, the details of your week, the joys, the sadness, the frustration, the stress, whatever it may be that we are holding on to, whatever it is that is weighing our hearts and our spirits down. I pray that in the powerful name of Jesus Christ and in the mighty power of the presence of God that we know in the Holy Spirit, that, Lord, we might in this very moment trust in you. Lord, whatever it is that we need to let go of and let you have, I pray that we can do that with strength, with faith. Release, Lord, from us whatever it may be that is weighing us down, that is distracting us, so that our hearts, our minds, our spirits, and our very souls might be one, might be closer to you. O God of comfort and God of challenge, we come to you this morning the way that the Israelites did, often full of complaints and dissatisfaction. Enough is enough. We do not recognize your blessings at work in our day-to-day lives. Lord, forgive us when we become so comfortable that we moan and groan about the most insignificant details of life. Lord, in our complaints, challenge us, as you did the Israelite people, to consider the bigger picture. Lord, forgive us when we close our eyes for fear of what you might show us. Lord, open our eyes until we see what you see in the world. I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you might as well open up the eyes of our heart. And it's there that we can come in contact, Lord, that we can truly experience and glean from the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that is given to us freely, that is filled with grace and with truth. Lord, I pray that we can turn, Lord, our attention there, that we can turn, Lord, our eyes and our witness, Lord, to you. Behold the Lamb of God. Let us glorify his name. And we ask this in the powerful name of the one who is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and who also gave us the Lord's Prayer for daily living and witness. Let us now uh, offer that prayer unto the Lord. If you would, please join me in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Church, I am turning now to uh, the book of Numbers, the 21st chapter verses 4 and 9, and then what I would like to do is make a transition to uh, the gospel text from John uh, 3 uh, as well. So let us uh, begin with uh, Numbers 21, starting with verse 4. This is about the bronze snake. Hear now the word of God, and Lord, we pray your blessing upon uh, these your words and the proclamation of it. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness, they complained. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manna. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and even died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord told him, Make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Church, I'm going to ask if you would to please stand out of respect for the good news of the gospel in the New Testament. I am turning now to John chapter 3, verses 14, hear now these words. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Church, this is the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen and amen. Church, you may be seated. So, uh, church, this, uh, is, <laughs> this is a fascinating uh, scripture text, uh, yet it, it's, it's quite bizarre, is it not? We have uh, this, uh, this moment... Uh, in our scripture text where uh, this significant 
uh, event happens to the Israelite people as they are making their way through uh, the, the desert to the promised land. And we have, uh, a matter of fact, a very, a very human moment, quite honestly. I, I, I think this uh, scripture text can speak to each and every one of us. Of course, a, a lot is going on here, but, but it's something that allows, uh, as, as Scripture often does, a mirror, if you will, to come up out of these words, out of these pages, so that we, you and I, can look at ourselves, okay? Look at ourselves, examine uh, ourselves, and see ourselves, in fact, in this text. So I, I thought what I would do is, is take it line by line because there's, there's some very important things that I wanted to uh, highlight here. So if you would, and you can certainly read along uh, on the screen, or if you have uh, your word right in front of you, let's, uh, let, let's begin here with verse 4. Okay, It says this, then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea. So it gives us this very specific journey, a very specific destination that, that they are headed toward, coming across this large body uh, of water here. And, and then here's where it gets interesting, okay? It says this, to go around the land of Edom, okay? Let me stop there, okay? Edom is significant, okay? These are a people from the lineage of Esau, okay, of Jacob and Esau, okay? Now, here's what we need to know about Edom or the Edomites, okay? They were arch enemies of the Israelite people, okay? So, to go around okay, this land, to go around these people, to go around that civilization would avoid going into all-out war with their archenemy, okay? So they are, in a sense, avoiding, okay, a confrontation by going around. Of course, it lengthened the journey, right? Lengthened the journey of the land that God had promised them the land of Canaan. So they're going around. So it's going to take extra time to get there, okay? You see where I'm going? If you add hours, okay, linked to any journey, what happens, right? Particularly if you have children in the car, what happens, okay? People get disgruntled very easily. People get uh, impatient uh, very easily. And look, the word picks up uh, right there. So, so the, the journey has been uh, lengthened there. And in 4b, it says this, but the people, what? They grew impatient. They grew impatient with uh, the long journey. So let me stop right there, okay? How has your patience been this week? And I'm going to turn to the choir too. How's your patience been uh, this week, okay? Uh, have you lost your cool, okay, this week? Did you happen to lose your cool maybe yesterday? How about this morning, okay? How's your patience been, okay? 
patience is something uh, for each and every one of us that uh, can easily be tried, can it not? It can easily uh, be tested. I've said this uh, before, and I think it's worth uh, noting again. Uh, Oftentimes when we are when we are tried and tested uh, in our in our patience, are we reacting or are we responding? Okay, there's a big difference. Okay, there's a big difference when we're when we're reacting right. We often lose our cools, do we not? When we're responding, I, I, I believe that when we respond, cooler heads prevail. Okay, patience. Each and every one of us, okay, are touched by how we are reacting. Or responding, are we being a patient people as people of faith? We certainly see here that the patience of the Israelite people was being tried and it was being tested. Okay, let me pick up with verse 5. And it says this, And they began to speak against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness, they complained. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink. And we hate this horrible manna, my translation says. Okay, let me tell you, growing up, I I would hear two phrases when folks would often complain and get negative. One would be this, man, She's kicking up a fuss, kicking up a fuss. Here's the other one I would hear, okay? When somebody would get bent out of shape about something, oh, they're just airing them grievances, right? Airing them grievances. Look, the Israelite people, okay, because the journey was lengthened, because they were being tried and tested, they're airing them grievances, are they not? They're just kicking up a fuss. They're even saying here, as the Word of God is pointing out, look, we had it better in chains. We had it better when we were in bondage than we have it now. Did you hear that? We had it better when we were in chains than as a free people headed toward the land of promise. Hold on to that for a minute, okay? And let me offer this to you. If the Israelite people are people of faith, where is their faith? Where is their ultimate trust in God? Yeah, the the moment might be tough, but God has, in a sense, promised them, hey, I am making a way for you. I am clearing the path for you to have a blessing in your life. And I'm going to fulfill that promise. They're forgetting that, you see. They're forgetting that. And instead, what they're putting in the forefront is their complaint. And they're airing grievances. And they're kicking up a fuss. And that is what's consuming their mind and their heart and their spirits now. But I want to make the case, listen, if they're people of faith, where is their faith? Let that 
speak to your heart this morning, church, okay? Let that speak to your heart. Now, let me pick up here with verse 6. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes. The Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. Wow. Okay. They're complaining. They're getting negative. And then God sends snakes to bite them. Now, before I go any further, let me just make a little aside here. Okay, you and I can easily read verse 6 and interpret it this way that when we complain to God, that when we air our grievances to God, okay, that God, in a vengeful, vindictive way, will then punish us and smite us for being complainers. Listen to what I'm about to say. I think that is an easy way out of this text, if you think that, okay? Here is the hard truth that every one of us need to hear, okay? The hard truth is when we are not walking the walk and talking the talk as people of faith, Guess what happens? Snakes will bite us, okay? When we are not living how we should be living, snakes can bite us. Listen, snakes can bite our careers. They can bite our home life. Snakes can bite our marriages. Snakes can bite our peace and our security. Snakes can bite. You ever been snake bit? Man, that hurts. That is a very difficult and compromised position to be in when we are snake bit, church. A snake bite hurts. Being snake bit hurts. It can, in fact, be very detrimental. But here's what we need to know. There is a remedy. There is a remedy for you and I being snake bit. And it tells us that in the Word of God. Let me go now to the Gospel of John. This one very profound scripture verse from 14. Hear it again. Hear it again. It says this, and Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Now, church, what I'm about to tell you about a remedy to being snake bit, the world would view as foolishness, okay? The world views a man named Jesus Christ going to the cross at Calvary and dying and having his blood shed so that you and I could be fully forgiven 
of our sins and be freed from the sting of death seems like absolute foolishness. Paul talks about that. But here's the remedy that the world views as foolishness, yet a person of faith holds as spiritually valuable. You see, in God's eyes, the remedy for a snake is a snake. You see, the remedy for sin and the human condition is Jesus Christ being lifted up high on the cross. You see, the remedy, church, for death is an empty tomb. So, you and I, let us lift high the cross in this fourth Sunday in Lent. And let us remember that not even sin and death has the final say. Jesus does. Glory. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, this is an interesting text, Lord. It just pops off the page, Lord. But within these words, there is a message for people of faith. Because we too can be so much like the Israelites. That, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, in life that keeps us in the shadows, Lord, whatever it is, that sin that we ignore, that sin that we try to hide, Lord, eventually, each and every one of us have to come face to face with it, or we will continue to be snake bit. Lord, I pray that we hear these words. I pray that in this very moment, in this Lenten season, Lord, that we can let go and that we can let you work and heal and forgive and prepare the way to what is coming, and that is an empty tomb. Lord, guide us and direct us in all that we do. Because, Lord, when it comes down to it, we must decrease in order for you to increase so that we might behold the ever-living and all-saving Lamb of God. Lord, let us place our minds and our hearts there now in Jesus' holy name. Amen.